keep that round table going for another two minutes. I just finished a parent training. Oh, the recording started. Okay, so welcome to this evening's EC uh, book study, EC Open Chat Book Study. I'm Georgina. I'm joined by my partner in crime down yonder, Shannon, who did a super fantastic job at hosting our new Tomes Time Zone um, off session. So congratulations to Shannon. Round of applause for her. She did a phenomenal job and um, super grateful because that also helps share the load. So that's super awesome. And um, really excited for today's book study. So I'd love to just keep the round table going. As I was saying earlier, I just finished a parent training for my school. It's now 8 p.m. in Jordan and I still need to pull up the book study uh, slide deck. So if you all could please continue. Um, Patrick, feel free to join join, uh, ask somebody else, uh, just to share how things are going in the new normal while I pull up the slide deck. Hey, Jared. Becky says she's stuck in training. Becky's a super trooper. I think she would come even if like her world was like upside down. I'm sure she would be here regardless. So shout out to Becky, who's listening and joining from yonder. But yeah, Jared, I, did you want to tell us how you're doing while I pull up the book study uh, slide deck? Oh, surviving, still putting out fires everywhere. So I did, did start, or I did send out, I feel accomplished yesterday. I did send out my first survey of the year to teachers about impactful technology use. So the next survey will be who wants to sign up for coaching for second quarter because our first nine weeks is a wash. Um, and so other than also walking in today and our district either did not pay pay for Cami or, or Cami or they say Cami screwed up. So either way, I've had to put out a lot, a lot of Cami fires today where it stopped working. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, Jared, super sorry to hear about your situation with Cami. I know we had that on the chat earlier. Does anybody else, I'm curious to know in our lovely uh, Google Coaches chat, does anybody else use Cami? Do they have paid subscriptions? Feel free to unmute. We're a super small cohort tonight, so let me know. Well, we we don't have a paid subscription in our district, but I do because I'm a Cami hero. I think that's what I'm called. Um, so, and I just had to make three videos. Oh my gosh, making videos. I, I, <laughs> I try not to be a perfectionist, but it's like when you start them over 26 times, ah, I need to get better at that. So I know there's probably a better way to do it. Like, you know, have a script and stuff like that, but why make it easy on myself? So Anyway, but just trying to show the teachers how to use the um, the free version because the free version really has everything that our teachers need. Um, the they don't really need a signature bit. They don't really need the math bits. So um, just trying to get them to do that and and assign it and just so they can use it. But it's the part the part that's hard for me is that I um, I worry that they're using it to assign worksheets. You know, like just worksheets upon worksheets for distant learning, and and that's not, you know. So when I when I made the training videos, I was trying to show trying to show ways to do it, like for collaboration or something. But you know, it's like a three minute video, so there's only so much you can get out there. So 
No, that's super powerful. And thank you for sharing, Melissa. And Becky also commented in the chat. I can't believe she's in two virtual spaces at the same time. I'm sure we all do it, but she actually meaningfully wants to reach out to you, Melissa, after hours to pick your brain because she your districts are close to each other. So probably similar mindset. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for Becky. She is a rock star and would love to connect with you. And um also, uh, Jeremy is sharing um, math teacher has been having issues recently with videos transcoding. Oh, man, Jeremy, sorry to hear that. So have you reached out to your IT department to support with that or how's that going? Feel free to unmute if you want or if you'd like to type in the chat. Well, um, It's specifically uh, with Cami. We've reached out to Cami. They're looking into the situation. Um, but my math teacher is very frustrated and had to kind of get snarky with them to actually get a reply back from their IT department. So um, I'm hoping that uh, they can correct the issue because we've got about 40 out of 100 teachers that are using it. So we would definitely be um, looking at purchasing the product, but if they can't do the tech support, then we're looking different. So, um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I know that they're overloaded in their, their, they've had to grow expedition exponentially, um, with the situation that most schools are in. Yeah, I know. I hear you. And I think, you know, I, you all know that I work for a school, so I don't work for Cami or Google or anybody. But I think all third parties, to be fair, including Google for Education, I think they're all in the same boat. You know, they're trying so hard to fix the interface for their users, which are our students and our teachers. And they're trying really hard to come up with solutions that will support us because they know we need them. And so I think they're trying hard. But I think there's like the manpower, there's the time issue, and then there's all these thousands of users globally and so it's really um, hard to get things done quickly I know myself also I reached out to uh, Google's cloud support today uh, because we had an issue um, with Google meet that I needed support with and they um, you know push back with time and feature updates and 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 so I think everybody's just in the same situation and it is frustrating and so I totally hear you I have my own issues with my own as I was saying earlier um, but yeah, I think we just need to have, you know, as hard as it is, we need to try to be as patient as we can. And then hopefully that these third parties that are supporting us will, um, you know, will step up and do their best to, to output what we need for our learners. So yeah, I hear you. Um, I hear you, Jeremy, and hang in there. I feel your pain, <laughs> I guess is what I want to say. Uh, welcome to Valerie. Valerie, how are you doing? And how's everything at your school? Uh, popping in for a minute. No problem. We'll let us know in the chat or feel free. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. My school is, is already virtual. We're, I work for North Carolina Cyber Academy, so we're virtual to begin with. So it's fun to hear other um, teachers collaborating and learning some new virtual tools. Um, but the virtual thing is not new for us, so I'm, I'm glad to, to share some ideas and things that we, we, you know, we've already learned. That's super cool. Well, I hope your journey has been, you know, exciting and epic so far. Um, at my school, we just literally, um, we, we, it's very interesting. So our whole school was online except for the KG, which is early years in the British system up to year four, which is grade five. Uh, we're in school. 
as well as the top end. So grades 12 and 13 were also in school. And then all the in-between were online. But those grades that were in school, they also have the opportunity or the option to be online if their parents didn't want to send them to school. So it's been a quite unique situation, not really online and not really hybrid. So it's been quite unique. And then um, we also just then uh, we had a couple of cases um, come up in, in, you know, the country. And so we've also, our primary school, all of them are now fully online. So we just supported that transition today as well, which is why I just got off of parent training. So I think everybody's in unique situations. I think it's really exciting. I know we're all have experienced frustrating things that have happened, but I want to just, you know, shout out that you all are part of a seriously epic revolution in education. And I want to say that no matter how frustrated you are or how happy you are, everything is going to come together over the next period. And I think you guys, all of the great, amazing things that especially people in this group are doing for their education communities is really going to thrive and support in a complete mind shift change. Uh, the mindset of, of education communities globally is going to shift. That may not happen overnight and it may not happen next year, but it is coming and we are all part of it. So celebrate that epicness and be excited. As much as we're frustrated, I'm on that boat too. Don't worry about it. You guys are not all alone um, and we will get there. So yeah, thanks for sharing where y'all are at. And um, without further ado, I wanted to just get the book study started because also y'all are here for the coaching book study. And so we'll get that started. I'll share my screen now. Just give me a second to do that. And since you guys are not new to book study, uh, you all know that you're welcome to uh, pop in the chat, unmute your microphone whenever you'd like to participate. This is all about your ideas. Even if you didn't have a chance to participate in the chat, we are very excited to hear from you. Can you all see my screen now? I just wanted to check. Okay, Shannon is nodding. That is good. Thanks, guys. That's perfect. Okay. So here is our wonderful book study, and we are covering this week chapters eight and nine. So it's creating a positive classroom environment, which I think is really fitting for right now, as well as planning for powerful learning. And I just absolutely, I got to say, love her choice of chapters. I'm sure when she wrote this a few years ago, our wonderful Jenny McGarra, she was was not thinking about the COVID closure, but man, do I need some powerful inspiration right now. So really excited about that. Um, so the question to get us started was all about alternative assessment. So I don't know if anybody here in the chat has also undergone or currently undergoing the ISTE certified educator uh, certification program, but I'm currently in the process, finished my online modules and now preparing my portfolio. And I really, really enjoyed my module on um, assessment and it being the word alternative, that we're really looking for something different and something unique to support our learners that are looking for new creative ways to share how they are actually learning and achieving their goals in education. So I'm really excited about this chapter. And um, so let's take a look here. There we go. So we've got a lot of Twitter handles. Make sure you connect with those awesome people if they're not on the call with us today. And um, please share out, guys, what you are currently using, what you've used in the last few weeks, what you, if you're already doing some coaching, if you've seen any educators use some powerful assessment tools, please feel free to unmute and share. 
I'd be really curious, just looking at the slides, I'd be really curious, Melissa, can you, um, can you maybe talk a little bit about how you're using quizzes for vocabulary tests? Because I still haven't, as an English teacher, I haven't quite mastered that, and I have some teachers in my department asking about it. Sorry, I couldn't grab the unmute. It kept like dropping every time I try to grab it. Um, well, I talked about this a little bit um, the other day about, I don't know about for language arts. I was just thinking for science because there's a lot of science concepts that we would teach and, and using the quizzes to cover the vocabulary freed me up to teach the content while um, the kids basically played games. Well, in their mind, they were playing games with the, um, the quizzes vocabulary. So. I kind of I went on a rant. I went on a, like a five minute rant the last time I was because uh, I was I get excited about it and I was like I can't believe they haven't heard of Fast and the Curious. So <laughs> yeah, it's Fast and the Curious. I think I called it Fast and Furious, which is a movie, isn't it? That's not the same thing. Um, but anyway, yeah. So um, I just I really like the fact that I could give the kids something the vocabulary something give it to them cold and they could play with it they would see the low scores but i could celebrate it because they hadn't been taught the vocabulary yet and it kind of pumped them up and they looked forward to taking the, the quizzes the next time um, they liked going at their own pace and the, i really liked the reports because it gave me immediate feedback it color coded and everything as far as you know, where the kids were struggling and, and what they were really getting. And um, it, it allowed me to kind of throw out the stuff that they already got. I didn't have to spend time on it. And, um, and the kids just felt, they felt success every step of the way. It was not intimidating for most of the kids. Um, I, I, at least I never received any negative feedback from the kids about doing it, even the ones who were unsuccessful compared to their peers didn't see it that way because they saw how they got 14% and then 30% and then 50% and they saw it as growth as opposed to percentages. And I really never took anything for a grade unless I warned them ahead of time and everybody was meeting at like at least 80%. So everybody was still passing and, um, and then those who really just were struggling for whatever other reason, I could just work with them separately until they got that mastery. But it freed me up to do content. Meanwhile, they were studying on their own and I didn't have to say, okay, tonight's homework is study for 20 minutes your vocabulary. You know, I didn't have to give that kind of lame stuff that would just, you know, mind numbing. It, it was stuff they were excited about. And they would even, um, I would use that, I would use Quizlet um, the free version of Quizlet where it was basically like flashcards and the kids would would do those and they would say, can we practice this at home? And I'm like, if you want, you know, so the kids are asking to study and asking to do work and that was a lot of fun, but that's that. Oh man, Melissa, there is so much. I took notes in the speaker notes. So in case y'all forgot, I'm typing away as y'all are speaking. And so if you're watching this recording after the fact, please make sure that you click open the Google slide deck and take a look at the speaker notes. We're always adding notes there and you all have edit access. So if you'd like to add your own notes there as well, feel free by all means. Um, Melissa, I wanted to mention, uh, particularly for myself, well, would anyone else like to add to that first before I add? Sorry, guys, go ahead. 
if anybody wanted to add to that. I was all excited by what Melissa shared, but please feel free. I wanted to say that gamification has been such a big thing. And I know recently I've chatted with a couple of you offline and um, I feel really strongly about this as an, as a professional learner myself, always on my lifelong journey. I personally never look for what is the next badge or the next certification I can take. I'm looking for what skill is going to help me change the world better, but not everybody works the same way. And there's loads of people, lots of educators that we're currently supporting that really like that badge journey. I'm sure everybody can think of a few. And guess what? Adults and educators are not alone and students love collecting those badges too. And so this whole idea of um, badge rewards, gamification, et cetera, is really, really big right now. So Melissa, I'm really glad you pointed that out for quizzes. And I know that there are loads along the same idea, even little things like Kahoot. And I see here that that was mentioned by Sharon. Is Sharon on the call now? Hi, Sharon. Did you want to talk about that a little bit, what you're doing with that in science before we move on? Or maybe it's the wrong Sharon. No, it's the right Sharon, I think. Um, yeah, this is, um, we just, I think I just jumped on. I'm so sorry. I was in another meeting and just tried to jump on. Um, so um, I think I had written that one earlier. Um, but um, yeah, we use cahoots with the sixth grade science and um, we're using our alternative assessment um, with discussion boards and um, Google forums and um, the um, kids just absolutely love it. Um, what you were just talking about with the badges, the um, badge chat is a great place to go find some more information about um, that and um, finding ways that people are using um, some types of um, badging or certification um, with the kids and with teachers. I love that. Sharon, just to clarify, did you say badge, uh, sorry, what did you say it was called? Badge what? I will add it. It's badge chat, um, hashtag badge chat. Badge chat, that's so cool. Okay, so I'll also add to that um, our wonderful uh, Google innovator, um, Rachel, who's also part of this chat group, EC Open Chat has done um, badge, if I can spell it while I'm talking, badge, badge ed, oh, I never spelled it right, badge ed tech, if she was on the call, she'd be like, come on, Georgina, what are you doing? badgeedtech.com, I think. I think that's it. So take a look at that one and it's got all sorts of badges um, that staff can do to get their certifications to help them through their ed tech journey. Um, it's actually super, super uh, user-friendly, nice and colorful, all of these great big icons. So take a look at that as well. Okay, so just so that we don't run out of time, let's move along. This was our question deck for um, the book study for this week. I'm really excited because I really feel, and correct me if you guys think that Georgine is on a different cloud that is not cloud nine right now. But I really feel like assessment is one outside of engagement because I know that's the primary one in online and distance learning assessment has been a major focus right now because if we're in virtual environments, how can we assess students? How can we ensure that they're actually um, giving us the data and the results that we need and they're not actually getting the answers from someone else? So there's a lot of questions around assessment right now. So I was really excited about this chapter. So let's dive in. So in chapter number eight, um, the question was asking about some different strategies that you've used to establish positive classroom environment. 
So before we can even tackle assessment, how are we setting up our students to be happy? Because just like we know happy learners meaning that they're learning, happy learners also mean they're achieving highly uh, through formative or summative assessment. So how are we supporting positive environments and how do we encourage our teachers to promote that collaboration? So again, tying in that online engagement piece. Now, I, uh, we shared there, I was about to say me, but it was actually Shannon and I, we tag team this book study questions, and we added there, Megara suggests that power is mood check-in. So I'm really excited to see from the last year, what have we been able to adapt? Obviously, in Megara's book, she did a great job with check-ins, but we have come such a long way since then, thanks to COVID. So let's see what everybody is doing and how are we supporting with emotional temperature checks and how can we ensure that we're creating a culture of confidence and trust with the teachers that we are supporting. So I'm going to share the slide of answers that we have here. I'll throw number four and five on the next slide. Would anybody like to talk about any of that while I'm moving this one over? Feel free. The silence kills me, but I'm learning. I'm learning a good technique to just wait. Somebody will be wanting, and I just need to wait a little longer. So I'm going to wait a little longer. Hi, Shannon. And Shannon's put me in the, yeah, Shannon, I, it's really easy as a teacher to do it, but to get, other teachers to do the same thing that's a lot lot harder so yeah i'm working on it <laughs> i love that i love the fact that francis shared it is hard to encourage our teachers to get that done please raise your hand if you have had a moment where as an education instructional coach you had a hard time to get a teacher on board at some point in your career I think we've all been in that boat, right? I got two hands from Melissa. <laughs> because not everybody wants to get involved. People are scared. People are like, I don't have time for this. I'm scared, et cetera. So you are not alone. And thanks for being just flat out honest and open about that, Francis. Absolutely. I really like what we started with here. This first comment was talking here from Miss um, Shields. It's Melissa. Melissa, is that you? Is that this Melissa in the call or another Melissa? Okay, so Melissa, feel free to elaborate. I like the fact that you started out with something really simple. How can we take a Google form, which is free included in our G Suite um, for education applications, and how can we use it in an alternative way? So not necessarily to take the grades. Did you want to add on to that, Melissa, or share? If not, that's okay, not to put anybody on the spot. I, 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 this mute button is just hiding and it avoids me. Um, when we were doing our, um, our emergency teaching in the spring, or emergency dis distance, whatever we called it, um, that was kind of the big thing, that was a big push from the, um, the admin was, you know what, this is a scary time, so let's. We need to really check in on our kids' social emotional state, and so we were recommending and sharing with teachers just because they were panicked as well. We we had created some, um, or at least I did. I don't know if anybody else did, but uh, some like daily check-ins 
that were that had like actual pictures of emoji, you know, the like smiley face emoji, like great or sad face emoji, and then it would have the word, you know, not so great. Um, just some basic questions, and then included questions like I could find all of my work today in Google Classroom, or I couldn't find, you know, and having them respond to that. And then we'd ask the teachers, you know, put this up at the top of your Google Classroom. Don't give it a topic. That way it stays at the top. And, you know, showed them how to um, uncheck the limit one response. And we did have some students or some teachers say, well, they're, but they're doing that form three, four times a day. I go, that's okay. You know, if they're just, you can let them know you want them to fill it out in the morning or when, when you're about to meet with them. And if they decide they want to fill it out five times, then, you know, maybe they do need you to really call home and check in, you know, if they're seeking that much attention. Um, if not, then, you know, at least you kind of have it ongoing and they can, they could sort them by kids who are having like a really, if they kept checking meh every day with the sad face, then maybe they needed to have those, those conversations, but it was a, a good starting point for them, I think, as far as kind of getting the feel of their students, especially in, in that it was, you know, a scary time. So, uh, just for the record, in my personal opinion, it's still scary time. Yeah. In case, in case anybody's seen Georgina's, you know, selfie on Twitter, I'm like masked and fully plasticated around my face, and I'm like trying to be super safe. So yeah, you're not alone, Melissa. And um, everybody is at different levels themselves, right, of educators, and we need to check in on our educators. We need to check in on our staff. You guys should know, I sent a shout-out email uh, yesterday to uh, one of our teachers at our school just to say, hey, I noticed you're giving some awesome feedback in your Google Classroom in your online lessons. Thank you for setting such a great example for your team. It was the head of the English department in secondary. And the response I got, she was so happy and thank you so much. And I copied, you know, her line manager to let her know. And everybody is feeling it guys everybody is feeling it at different levels you know and you can feel it in the response from the staff that you get so absolutely melissa no matter how many times you need to check in whatever you need to do take the opportunity and just let them know you're there just let them know you care and it will go like tenfold a million times so congratulations and well done shannon was also saying that she's checking in do you want to share shannon So yeah, we, uh, you know, I think, so I'm a, I'm a tech coach, but I'm also a full-time uh, classroom teacher as well. And, um, you know, time-wise, there's not a lot. And in fact, our schedule doesn't really allot for it. We have only 100 minutes total throughout the week, face-to-face -face time. And so that's not quite enough uh, to really, you know, dive deep. But um, I've kind of conceded to the fact that I'm not going to get through like all of my curriculum this year and I need to be really mindful about like, um, you know, picking and choosing what is essential. Um, and because I, I truly feel, and I was just having a conversation with one of my mentees um, yesterday about this, I truly feel that, you know, we can't ask students to truly like dive in and, and learn and take ownership of their learning because uh, unless they feel confident and safe and that like they ca we care about them uh, as more than just, you know, a butt in a chair. Um, and so we've been kind of pushing at our site this idea that like it is important and almost imperative that every single teacher build in a check-in at the beginning of class. Uh, that can be a bunch of different things. It doesn't need to necessarily be all the same thing. And we're a Zoom school. So 
sometimes my check-ins are as simple as like a Zoom poll, or I just say, hey, throw this answer into the chat. Um, and the great thing about a private chat uh, is I could then follow up privately uh, on the Zoom chat if I see a kid is maybe struggling a little bit, or I could throw us into a breakout room on the fly and, and you know, we're all gonna do individuals and go check, go check in with that kiddo. But I just feel like more than anything right now, um, the content's important, it is, but, and I have like specifically advanced placement test uh, that I'm preparing my kids for in May, but ultimately like they have to know during this time that they matter. Um, you know, and it's really, really awesome to, to, to say that. And I'm having a lot of sh issues with uh, some of the people that I'm coaching. Like, they're really struggling with that because they already are struggling with feeling like they're out of control. And so if they let go of the content even more and can't get through the pacing, right, which is what they're typically used to, um, how are they going to spend that time, like, in class? How are they going to devote time to checking in? And building relationships different over the internet and all these things. So it's been a struggle, but um, I think now the kids kind of expect it and it's become a routine. Um, and they've voiced more than once that they, you know, they appreciate the random check-ins and they might be as lame as like, hey, go, let's go on a jam board and pull your favorite meme um, and then unmute. Hey, so-and-so, I saw this meme. I love it too. What do you love about it type thing? So that they feel like throughout the year, they, they have a voice. Uh, and starting with like a low risk approach to speaking out and sharing, I think uh, will then build the confidence uh, for those kids to then, you know, speak up when it comes to like actually content related information. So. Absolutely. You had so much love in the chat. Francis says that she hopes it will stay like that because relationships remain the priority. And I totally agree with that. Thank you so much for sharing, um, Shannon, and also to Melissa. And I wanted to know, just, you know, a little gauge from other people. I welcome to Marcos and um, some other people that joined Mrs. Megan. Um, let us know, what are your other strategies? So Shannon said she was using sometimes a Zoom call, uh, you know, sometimes a quick check-in. What are you guys using to check in uh, with your students. Let me know before we move on. And I'll, I'll show the second slide of comments as well uh, if anybody else would like to share. I definitely think sharing is caring. I personally made more of an effort the last two weeks to share some resources when I create them for my staff in our EC Open Chat group. So please, guys, even no idea is too little. One little idea will help spark ideas for other coaches, and that's what it is all about. So please feel free to share. Shannon says advocacy is important. Oh, on number 11, she's asking a question. Awesome. So yes, if anybody who wrote that on 11 is here would like to share, please feel free. Oh, sorry, that was me. <laughs> Jared, go ahead. Um, so what we have, uh, we have a block of time that's built into our schedule for all of our students right before lunch. So we're, we're hybrids. We have a hybrid model, but then we also have students that are 100% virtual too. And so for our face-to-face -face kids and hybrid, their advocacy period is right before their lunch. And then for our hybrid student, or for our virtual students, sorry, it is first thing in the morning. And so what this is, is just, it's a block of time where the teachers are building relationships with students, they're doing uh, a little daily check-in, which could be a form or some kind of activity. Um, 
our school counselors are doing different um, activities and temperature checks just to, to catch kids that might might be on the bubble or might need some extra assistance. Um, and so it's been really it's been a really good time. Unfortunately, I haven't been in a lot of those to see exactly what is happening. But um, the feedback I've heard from teachers and students is that they they do enjoy that that time. I love it. I think everybody enjoys time where they feel valued and cared for, right guys? And so you're all pretty much saying the same thing. I wanted to share, I had an interesting experience today. As you all know, I teach a few lessons um, every week. And so I was with a year seven uh, class today, which is grade eight, I think in conversion. And we were doing creative media. We were just talking about like, so we're helping them with a the magazine production. They're going to create a magazine for a younger class in the primary school. So we're on to market research and we're talking about their ideas and just the fact that they get to share, you know, you ask a question and I know sometimes in online learning, it's really hard to get students to participate, but you can just, the way you phrase your question and say, Hey, would anyone like to share the last time they read a magazine and let me know what was the favorite part that they read and you may just have one student and they may share and that may inspire another student and before you know it there's a whole lot of positive energy going around the room right positive karma and people are feeling valued and even if it's not a how are you check-in just giving students the chance to speak and to voice and participate in whatever will make them feel cared for and valued. So I think, you know, the, the normal check-ins that we do on feelings and emotions, et cetera, is awesome, obviously, but also just the fact of giving them the chance to participate in the lesson also gives them that sense of value. So yeah, that's my little add on to that. Okay, cool. So let's move on to question two. Question two was all, oh, I went too fast there. Question two, Speedy Gonzalez, um, was also all about uh, supporting facilitation of goal setting and self-monitoring in classrooms. And this is very interesting. Actually, before I read this book the first time around, I hadn't actually thought about the term self-monitoring before. We think about self-assessment, but actually, are we doing a self-check-in on how we're progressing through? And that's not necessarily the same thing as a self-assessment on a specific goal that we've actually practiced or a skill we've acquired. So it's a very interesting question. So I, we were looking to investigate what are ways that you have found that goal setting in that perspective may empower educators to facilitate a new level of excellence in the classroom and why is it important throughout the coaching cycle? So these are what some folks had shared um, in the chat already. And um, yeah, let me know if you're on the call and you'd like to share a little bit, elaborate what you've written there. And um, if not, we can certainly add. If you didn't have a chance to share in the chat, don't worry, you're welcome to unmute and share also. So I'll pop the question slide just again in case anybody would like to think on the question first and then feel free. While you guys are thinking, we had chosen, and I think Shannon is the one that found this quote for this one. Uh, she talked about uh, requiring support, uh, as that many require support in understanding how to self-assess, right? How do I assess my own progress? And I wanted to share that here in the Middle East, this is a major thing that we focus on every year, all the time. We, I've been here, I think this is my 16th or 17th year in the Middle East, and independent learning, is really something that we have to help 
uh, students in this culture understand and help them build the skills of learning. So we focus a lot on metacognition down here to help them. So I don't know if it's the same in other parts of the world, but it is something that really hit home for me. So when we think about goal setting for educators, because in an international setting, we have a lot of educators that come from international backgrounds, like all of you, a lot of folks from the UK or Europe join as we're a British international school here. And so we have a lot of different backgrounds, but we always have to think about how are we actually supporting our students, et cetera, with that. So I don't know if anyone else has had similar experiences or would like to share, let me know. But I'm curious to know, how can we support educators in focusing on that aspect? How can we help our learners? How can we help them to help their learners and becoming more independent by setting goals that are meaningful for them for the school year? Just recently, I watched a webinar um, from Nancy Fisher, or Nancy Frey, Doug Fisher, and John Hattie on their distance learning playbook. Uh, and they talked a lot about, one of the pieces in their text is about success criteria and truly having like a clear success criteria um, that you, and this is for teachers to students first. So like having that, here is what ultimately like I'd like you to achieve. This is what you can point to, to know that like you're on the right track. Um, really kind of seems like simple and something that we know like as teachers, but like um, made me think a little bit deeper in like this setting and you know, whether virtual or hybrid, there's this idea that like we have to be clear and model like what it means to um, start with a simple goal in mind and then ultimately help our students or build in reflective pieces to help our students like uh, really truly monitor like how am I on my own learning journey? Because there's a lot of, um, you know, giving over some responsibility like that exists in this space uh, more than usual, I think. And so having success criteria will allow um, those kids to have like a, a good, a good uh, navigation uh, point, you know, where they're striving for. As far as like coaching goes, I think this goes back to like, celebrating the wins right if we don't set like little tiny mini goals how are we going to encourage our those that we're coaching the educators we're coaching how are we going to encourage them to stop and reflect and and really truly celebrate the little wins along the way i think so often we shoot for these big goals right like i'm trying to go from a to z without really truly being mindful of like okay there's like a bunch like 25 24 other steps along the way that i could you know be be celebrating. So um, how we do that and how we cultivate like uh, uh, that quality of like, let me be a goal setter um, and truly like get over like, you know, having moments where I celebrate the wins. I'm not quite 100% sure how to do that with every personality. So I'd be open to see like, what do you guys do to encourage the people that you're coaching? Like, what do you do to encourage them to kind of like, stop along the way and really truly be more reflect reflective uh, on that process. That was a super powerful share, Shannon. Thank you for sharing. So I really liked what you said about the success criteria and then also how can we support the people that we are mentoring and coaching to help them come up with that same mindful practice. I'm also curious based on what you shared, Shannon, um, is it like that? I. I'm not sure. Marcos, are you from North America or from Europe? I don't remember. Help me out. Sorry, forgive me. No problem. I'm from Brazil. Brazil. I was way off. I was totally in the wrong part of the world. 
Sorry, buddy. But that's awesome. So I'm curious then from all different parts of the world, do people work with success criteria like in when we do lesson planning and when the teachers um, provide learning, you know, teaching and learning, it is success criteria part of that. It is part of our practice in the British curriculum. So since I've been teaching in the British curriculum for 16 years, that's just something I've always used. But is that not necessarily what's used in other parts of the world? Let me know. I'm interested. Feel free to unmute if you want or share, that's okay. Francis is in the UK, or, awesome, go ahead. Or even so, like just maybe ideas about like, what do you, you know, I think so often as an English teacher, I get bogged down by just rubrics, but what are some other um, like success criteria that you guys maybe use that we can kind of throw out there and just talk, talk about like, how do you frame them? Are they measurable? Um, you know, all those things, models. Francis, tell us about this. You have good things to say. No, sorry, I don't have a lot to say, but yeah, we, I mean, models, but I guess it's really, really hard, even though this is something that we should be doing all the time in our curriculum, it's still something that teachers find really hard to do. But yeah, we provide models, we talk about the models, learners um, assess the models, they mark the models, and then they, they do it again, and we peer assess, and we redo it, and there's just whatever kind of tasks we're doing, you can always provide a model and talk about it and that kind of thing. But it's still really hard to get over to some educators that that can help the learners. Yeah. I like what uh, Francis said there, and I also like to think of it as an extra step that especially supports in online and distance learning right now, because we have this whole idea of being really enunciated and really, um, specific with the steps of success that we're writing for instructions in our learning management systems, whether that's Teams or Google Classroom or Schoolology or whatever you're using, we need to write very specific steps, right? So whereas we may post a resource with a learning objective if the students were in class, and then we can verbally do that with them, in online learning, especially for those joining synchronously, it's really important to have those steps. So I almost feel like there's another small win there as EdTech coaches, because if your school is in online learning, you're able to help them understand that process because they have to write those steps, which are the success criteria. How are the students going to get to the learning objective for the lesson in that way. So it's kind of um, a very small win. But I really liked what Francis said about it always continue to be reiterated and remodeled and re-peer assessed, right? It doesn't have to be just a one-stop shop and that's it. I love the fact, Francis, that your model which I don't always hear from the UK, so that's good to know, is that there is a lot of back and forth, right? And I have to say, shout out to G Suite because they also provide that opportunity through Google Classroom assignments, right? When a student submits the assignment, it's never a final step. The student can unsubmit and edit their work, the teacher can return the assignment, and the student have it had chance, again, to resubmit to improve and show that growth on their learning journey. So I think it's so important. Um, Shannon says she's working on being mindful of encouraging her department to think about intentions and relevance. I love that, absolutely. Um, success criteria is part of the design. I hadn't thought about that before. Thank you for sharing, Shannon. So design, that's really exciting. Um, Patrick, 
I wanted to shout out to you because I know you have some really creative tools after watching some of your boot camp sessions. And I was curious to know, and sorry to put you on the spot, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Um, if you've had any creative ways of educators being able to share or get their students to come up with their own success criteria using any of your awesome tools that you um, used or had your educators do, let me know. I'm curious. I don't necessarily have anything earth shattering by any means, but uh, a lot of our teachers, I've been just trying to encourage them to let different things happen as far as um, we got a district license to screencastify and things like that. So doing things like video diaries or video check-ins or something using screencastify and that can be on the student side, that can be on the teacher side, but using that tool in a different way because a lot of times we think screencastify, I'm making a screencast, I'm making a tutorial, but just trying to get them to think a little bit outside of the box with some of the tools and Flipgrid not just necessarily to talk back and forth, but again, that could be another tool doing some sort of like diaries or ongoing check-ins, things like that. And the fact that that does have a screencasting piece in it now too, and you can link a different thing, a lot of different things into it. So a lot of times my big push is trying to get people to dig deeper into the tools before they add another one in, see what else the tools you can do um, or already use can do versus just jumping into other things. and. Google Slides is another one where you can link just about anything in. You can make all kinds of different things with that that kids can explore. And then a lot of times I, I open it up to the teachers to try and get them to trust the kids more too. A lot of times the kids are the biggest source of creativity that we can tap into. They haven't been through school as long as we have. They haven't been kind of built into that mold as much as a lot of us that have been through school and then through college a few times. They're, they're more in the creative mindset and come up with the things sometimes that just make us shake our heads and we have no idea where it came from. But some, sometimes it's that one time of thinking of it differently that breaks it through for other people. I had to find the mute button myself. I was busy typing all of Patrick's ideas. I knew I was not wrong to ask Patrick there. You see, guys? Tap into creativity. Deep dive into your tools before you add on. Patrick, this is a very powerful message, and I want to thank you for sharing it. And I'm sure Jared can attest to that too, and many others, is that we don't want to overpower our teachers still. Even though they may have found a little bit of a groove, we still need to make sure that we're not overpowering them with adding on. And so I really like this idea of deep diving into the tool. And you're right, Patrick, Flipgrid has had so many amazing um feature updates over the last couple of months. I know it's a favorite as many in Global GEG as well. So absolutely awesome. So thank you for sharing. And um, Sarah was sharing in the chat as well. The remote learning has given her the opportunity to focus on giving more feedback with her students um, and a lot more of that back and forth dialogue. So these are things, guys, when you're having those coaching sessions with your, with your educators that you can think about focusing on with them. It doesn't have to always be, let's set the next goal. Okay, you've achieved that. Now let's move on to another tool or let's move on to something else. No, why not stay there for another week or two? Let's do, you know, take Patrick's idea and deep dive it. I absolutely love that. I was helping um, 
my teacher last week. I think that's the one I shared in EC Open Chat with Flipped Learning. And then um, Sharon, Shannon was super awesome and was like, oh, here's a PD that I recently did with my teachers. And I was like, wow, we can totally deep dive with Shannon share. And I wanted to take the, the minute to then therefore say to you guys, please keep that sharing going. I know here in our book studies, we have our ad resources to share. And I know we're all super busy and we don't always have time to share resources here. But please, if you can, you know, you can always go back later or just pull up our Google EC open chat in the Google chat like I did. And um, who was the other one, Shannon, that shared? Was it Francis or someone else? I don't remember. Uh, I feel bad. I'm not going to say Sorry, guys. There was another... There is another ed tech coach who shared there too. So keep that circle going for sure. Um, would anybody else like to add on to that? What those wonderful ideas before we move on to the next question? Let me know. All right. Well, chapter nine was really exciting. It's uh, two questions for chapter nine. Uh, just in time, because I always notice I spend a lot of time on the first chapter. That's something I have to work on. I get really excited with our ideas. Uh, but chapter nine is um, all about focusing. I really like this. I chose my words very carefully. Uh, expensive educational currency. What is really expensive right now in education, especially in the current new norm? So in a world where time continues to be that expensive currency, how do we navigate teaching and learning resources that in a meaningful way? So it's really hard. There's so many. There's so many tools, and those tools are constantly being upgraded, as Patrick shared earlier. So how are we doing that? And which platforms do we find are have our favorite resource banks for our teachers? So there's a lot of interesting questions there and how also then do we curate those resources so these were some of the ideas that um, were shared for this question I'm going to leave the question on the slide deck just in case anyone didn't have a chance to read them and just have a, a good think if anybody would like to share feel free I have some ideas obviously so I'm ready but I'd love to hear from you guys first and does anybody not oh go ahead Melissa perfect thank you now, I just have a question because I noticed that Shannon commented about um, Wakelet, and I've I've watched some webinars on it. And maybe my brain has not been focused at the time, you know. And I'm thinking, wow, Wakelet's great, but honestly, for me, using bookmarks and folders of bookmarks works so much. It's just faster for me, and I feel like I'm missing something somehow. Like I, I want to get on that what they call it, the Wakelet wave, or I want to get on it, but I I'm like. To me, this is one other thing. So I feel like I'm missing something. And I, and I want to hear more about that. Sure. So for me, uh, bookmarks, if you saw my bookmark bar right now, you would be like appalled. I have about 8,000 living up there right now. Um, and I and for a long time, like I would bookmark and I would put them in folders and then I would just kind of forget about them. Uh, Wakelet has a, um, I don't know, they have an extension, which whenever I find like, so say I'm on Twitter, which, you know, is pretty often and I find, I come across an article that someone posted or a resource, right? And I, so it's as simple as clicking on it and then clicking the extension and it brings up my boards and then I just click my board that I want it saved to so that I can go back and look at it. So for me, it's more that um, it's a lot like Pinterest in that way, but cleaner in my, in my mind. So as far as the time element, I think sometimes we think we have to copy the URL, go to wakelet.com, put it in the, you know, in the board that we choose, but really that that extension makes it 
just one simple click, one or two simple clicks. As far as Wakelet goes, um, I I literally go to Wakelet for everything um, because it, it's more than just a curation piece for me. It's a it's a space where teachers, educators, people have chosen to. Um, it's W A K E L E T. If you look that up, Wakelet Chrome extension in Google. Um, but it's a place where teachers have chosen to curate their own boards based on information that they found was useful. Um, and you can just search like, so say I am doing something on, yeah, uh, something on rhetorical analysis, which is a thing I teach a writing style. I teach, I can just type in rhetorical analysis and within seconds I have, thanks Patrick. I have, you know, tons of boards of uh, curated pieces where teachers have chosen to share it, make it public, and I can just call from that. Uh, it also has something called Wakelet Spaces. So if I want to collaborate with my PLC or my uh, PLN, I can. we can create a space and all of us can then contribute to that. It's very similar to Drive in that sense, but uh, like I said, that Wakelet extension, um, <laughs> that Wakelet extension, yeah, no problem. We can connect. I'll share some of my, my boards with you. Um, but they really did come in handy. So yeah, hire me, Wakelet. I'd love to work for you. <laughs> I love that. And Michelle's smiling. And so are we all. That was like the perfect pitch. I'm like, oh, man, what did I miss in Wakelet too? And I actually use it. <laughs> so thanks, Shannon. That's awesome. Patrick, I'd love to hear your things because I have seen some stuff from you. Do you want to add to that for anything exciting? I would just say. It was a great explanation from Shannon, so not much to add at all. I would just say Wakelet for me is just a more visual way to do the bookmarks and things. And then um, I have a slide somewhere that I could find and probably link in. But again, it's for me, it's about digging a little deeper sometimes too. And even beyond that curation part, I've, I've seen people use Wakelet for resumes and using it for things like digital breakouts. And again, thinking how could, if I'm going to jump into this tool, how many different ways can I use it? How much kind of functionality can I get out of it before I make a dive? If it's, if it's just bookmarks, is that good enough for me to go away from what I'm doing? Or if I have bookmarks, I have spaces, I have ways to do a bunch of other things. And then using that collaborate feature to bring some students into the mix too, and help them curate content in meaningful ways too. I think that takes it kind of the next level. And then that extension that we talked that Shannon talked about is the game changer as far as the ease of getting it there. Um, the ease of using it is easier than it has been for me to get tech to approve it for our kids. And so we'll see. Okay, I'm feeling a theme there because I heard that in a couple other threads as well that people were struggling with their IT teams. I want to shout out because I have a really good relationship with the IT team at my school and I want to shout out and say, don't give up, okay? You just gotta find that one thing that will help you connect with them and it will be a beautiful matrimony, I guess you could say, the ed tech coach and the IT guys, so or girls, if that is the case. Um, so yeah, don't give up on that boat, but super uh, win on Wakelet. I personally have not yet used it with students for curation, and I'm looking forward to diving into that after half term here in um, Jordan. So thank you for sharing. So I'm just aware of time, and as usual, I spent too much time being very excited in the first questions. Um, 
I think also that I skipped question number three in my haste and excitement. Can you imagine? Sorry, guys. Yeah, everyone's nodding. So I'm going to just do, there wasn't too many comments anyway. Please interrupt me if you want to add anything onto that. Otherwise, I'm going to continue to question five. And then what I want to do is loop back to three after, if that's okay, just because we're on a mission now. Thanks, Jared. I love that. You're always encouraging me. Appreciate that. <laughs> that's cool. Okay. Um, so question number five was about transparency. Now, this is a tricky one, in my opinion only, but maybe others have had great success with it. When we're helping our educators think about the strategies uh, for collaborative planning, I have found it very tricky because everybody is quite unique in their idea about what planning means to them. Some people are really protective of their planning and don't like to share. Some people really like to work independently and don't like that whole collaborative idea. And then others really love the collaborative idea because they're like, great, everyone else will do the work and I can, you know, enjoy the football match tonight or whatever it is. So everybody has different ideas. So I'm really curious. Um, please, I'd love to learn from everybody what everybody's take is on this. So whether you type it in the chat or you want to unmute and share, please take a moment to share on this particular question because I also would love to learn from you guys. What is working for you? How do you vertically and horizontally plan? And most importantly, how do you support your educators to have a love for collaborative planning so that they can also support their students to embrace collaborative learning in the classroom? Patrick shared his Wakelet slide on a slide note in the chat. So I will try to grab that now and pop that in the question for answers. Okay, who would like to kick us off for question five? And if you have to jump off, thank you for joining today. I know we're almost reaching the time in a minute. So if you do jump off, thank you for sharing today. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I will share the responses for number five. We had a couple and Sharon's sharing now. Thank you, Sharon. If you didn't have a chance to type, guys, that's okay. Just share, have a think. What are you doing right now? How do you encourage your educators to plan? Plan for um, a, either against the, the school goals or against their personal goals. Obviously, you know, you would scaffold that as you go throughout your coaching cycle in the year, but absolutely let me know. Shannon says she doesn't do a good job. I don't believe that, not especially after all her comments today. Patrick, do you want to do you want to share that verbally as well? Yeah, I, I love putting Patrick on the spot. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it because my inner introvert wants to just sit in the back and not say anything. So when I get called out, I actually talk. Um, but the difference maker for us, and I, I'd like to see us do a better job, but of course, COVID has thrown a wrench into just about every good plan, is giving our teachers time to actually do the planning and um, actually set it up in an ongoing schedule, like this is vertical collaboration time, or this is team planning time, and make it a part of their normal day, part of their normal schedule. So it's not just another thing that we're asking them to do and try and add in somewhere. Um, we did a really good job when schools closed and we had a little gap before we had to make things happen where the collaboration I think has helped. And that's one of the positives I've seen during COVID that teachers have realized, oh, I don't have to do this alone. Like we only have two elementary schools in my district. And I would say before COVID, we didn't even plan that well between those two schools. And I think COVID really helped as we started getting into doing like hyperdocs or like, 
well, I can do like Monday and Tuesday and you guys can do this and we'll just put them together. And people started to realize how beneficial and powerful it could be to split things up. So I'm hoping that continues, but we're in the midst of deciding whether our secondary is going to come back to being hybrid instead of virtual. And every time a change starts to percolate in the minds of the board, then all the teachers think, oh no, what do I have to change now? So a lot of those collaborative planning things start to drop off. But again, just to reiterate, it's about making it meaningfully part of a schedule and having that time set aside so that from the top level, teachers know it's valued and know it's seen as important. I love that. And as Shannon would say, a mindful move, a mindful step all the way from the top. I love Shannon's use of mindful, so I'm tagging onto that. Thank you, Shannon. But Patrick, this is very powerful, and thank you for sharing. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I know that you have so much experience and expertise that I want us all to learn from. So thank you for jumping out of your shell to share with that. It means a lot to me, thank you. Um, and I love what you said about having that time. So again, whether it's, uh, whether it's horizontal, so across the grade group or across the faculty, whatever you call them, uh, in your area uh, down here their faculties maybe it's departments in North America um, and then setting aside a time for vertical alignment I found in my experience too that sometimes that alignment has been vertical has been set aside for like leadership members where they might take um, and I don't mean currently at my current but over time where they may take the the horizontal planning and they may do it on the side but I think Patrick's right I think it's really important to give teachers collaborative time together vertically if you're in a situation where you work in a k-12 school or middle and high school together or whatever it is just try and also collaborate vertically as well as cross departments if you're in a high school level so great work there um, Patrick. Francis, did you want to share about that uh, Google chat piece? I really enjoyed reading that. Um, Google chat that I put in the chat just now, you mean? Sorry. Um, so I work in a really big department and there are lots of different teams. Uh, so I've been working really, really hard to try and get people to work more together because we're really kind of separate and there's not much leadership in that direction. So from my position, I'm really trying to work at it. It's something that I've really worked hard at with the badges and everything. Um, so I'm not yet at collaborative planning. I'm just working towards getting more of a team feeling and getting everybody supporting each other, which is um, it's hard work, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Francis. I was celebrating you in the chat. And this is really great to know that every school is at a different part, a different spot, I should say, in their journey, right? So Francis, if you're still building relationships, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the recent Google coaching sessions that we were receiving from, is it Future Tech? Somebody correct me, it's late at night for me here. Uh, the wonderful sessions that Amanda has given our uh, crew, they were saying that you have to start with relationships, you know, and Jenny talks about that in her book a lot. There's no point getting on to ed tech and all of these great jam things if you don't have trust and a good relationship. So Francis, you keep on that. When you feel that you've got a good relationship and that your staff collaborate well together, then you know when you'll be able to move on. So keep up the great work, girl. Awesome. Jared, you have a slew of experience. Please share how you are collaboratively planning. I want to learn from you. Uh, well, this year is uh, different than, than the past, obviously. Um, we have every Friday as Virtual Friday. 
Um, so our hybrid kids are on AABB schedule and, um, and then two, our district has declared that as we bring kids back full time, Fridays will always be uh, virtual Fridays for the kids with the staff in the buildings. And we really are loving it because it's given us the ability to plan. Um, so teachers do have two hour blocks of office hours where they they have to be on uh, available for students uh, virtually. However, in between that time, the time is protected for that um, collaboration. So teachers can collaborate as grade levels or by content different things like that. Um, as a leadership team, we can provide professional learning during a one-hour segment. Um, we can also go in and collaborate with teachers on their grade level plannings. It's just been, you know, it's been fantastic uh, way of doing it. Though I had to laugh, we, we um, my uh, instructional coach wanted to do um, walks and then we realized that we don't have students on Fridays. <laughs> So we're coming back to the drawing board on on that professional learning activity, but um, but it's been really good, and we hope to we hope the schedule stays. I love it. I got caught with my typing and my unmute button, but Jared, that's awesome, and I it makes me think also about the other hybrid models. You know, we heard from many Emma Pass and many other people who've had experience, and they talk about those hybrid models where there are blocks when the teachers are together and the students are in their synchronous mode, achieving their learning, and how are we maximizing efficiently on that time to work together and think outside the box. I absolutely love it. I put it in capital letters in the speaker notes, Jared, um, tying on to what Patrick was saying. So thank you so much for sharing there. Um, Shannon also says she has the same structure for Wednesday, so that is super cool. I guess Georgina needs to get on that structure boat too. So back to the drawing wheel for me for a virtual afternoon or a day. Super awesome, guys. Cool. Um, and uh, what I'd like to do, I know we're out of time, but I didn't want to forget number three and I was so excited I jumped over question three. So I wanna loop back because people added their thoughts and I would like to celebrate and learn from that. So question three was all about communication and actually I guess it's not a bad thing we end there. So communication, thinking about it being the key in all kinds of settings, right? There can be breakdown from the top down, horizontally from different stakeholders across your education. Here, Jenny's talking about how do we streamline it so that we can support teachers, helping them with different things inside their classroom, and then thinking about it also after our conversation about um, vertical and horizontal planning, how does that fit into it? And what are different ways that we can communicate with our stakeholders to make sure that the school is a positive, happy place for everybody? So what did you guys say about that? Let's take a look. And if anybody's on the call that would like to share, please feel free. I know um, Becky Ryder's there and Amara Osama, if you guys would like to add anything, please feel free. We'd love to hear from you. You can drop it in the chat or feel free to unmute. I'll leave the question on for another minute so you can think about it. I have to leave in just a minute because I have a meeting in five minutes, but... Um... I am a huge fan of Remind. I, I use it for both students and uh, parents. They can sign up uh, by Jared. But I, it's just simply a text message service. You can send out a blast text message and your kids get it. They don't have your number. You don't have theirs. It all gets saved. And I use that a, quite a bit to communicate like assignments that are coming up, but also encouragement. Um, 
you know, to the kids and, you know, that kind of stuff throughout the, throughout the weeks. But um, one thing that I, I, I'm going to throw this bomb out here and then I'm going to come watch the, re the recording. Cause I'd be curious what you guys, you guys have to say. Uh, I was watching a, another webinar recently and they talked about how like we need to make parents. Um, well, they posed the question, how do we get parents comfortable with watching their students struggle? Um, and like th that productive struggle, right? Because a lot of students are struggling in this space and like parents are swooping in to try, and at least in my world, are like swooping in to try to manage that and, and make it the easiest they can for the kids. And yes, this is hard. But that idea of like, if we're gonna involve all stakeholders uh, and this experience is gonna be positive, a positive experience for all, how do we get, how do we get parents to embrace that productive struggle? How do we, uh, uh, train them i don't know uh encourage them to really um you know say it's okay that my kid's struggling right now and here are some ways that i can also come alongside you as an educator and promote um, resilience and tenacity in this space so i actually do have to go but i'm so curious if any of you guys could answer that for me uh much love guys love this space together i'll talk to you guys soon thanks for joining shannon have a great meeting and day Oh, she's so lovely. Okay, cool. Well, let's help her out. What do you guys think about that? That is such a powerful question. Actually, I haven't come across that. So I'm really excited. Would anybody like to take a first dive? And I'll think about what I'd like to add. Well, it's so, um, this is Sharon here. I was, it's so interesting to me because I'm a high school, uh, I'm a parent of a 16 year old as well as a teacher at an elementary school. And so it seems like to me that it's so much easier to let our elementary school kids um, struggle and the parents are a lot more um, um, accepting of that, that they see that the kids have to work on things and do that. Um, I think with our high school kids, we don't want to see them struggle. And I don't know if it's because of um, the consequences of grading and, you know, scholarships, opportunities and things like that 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 are happening um with them so there's not as much time to allow them to struggle depending on how the classrooms are stru structured um with it so I've, I've been struggling with that question myself because um in this virtual world um my child is struggling right now and how can i help him um with his teachers make this happen but i have noticed that at the elementary level we seem to be a lot um better at allowing that struggle to happen i don't know what do y'all think uh so for myself being in the middle east i would like to say and again i'm not a middle eastern individual but living here for over a decade i feel comfortable saying that it is really a competitive space here in the middle east especially for our community of parents. And so they want their kid to be at the top. Uh, I don't know if it's like that in the other areas because I haven't been living there for a while, but here it's very competitive and they want their kid to be at the best. So they would be the last ones to say, oh, my child is not capable of doing it. And obviously that has certain impacts, right, on the student on their child and the confidence level they have and the fear that they have of trying to meet up to that expectation that their parents have. So um, Amaris also says in the chat that it's very true. Uh, thanks, Melissa, for joining. It's so nice to hear from you and appreciate your support every, every week. So take care, dear, and stay safe. 
Okay, great. If you have to go, just feel free to drop off. I know that we're over. It's my fault. I will try very hard on the next session that I'm leading to make sure we're on time. But um, yeah, as far as Shannon's questions goes, I think that we have to be able to um, find a way, and I don't have necessarily a solution, but I'm very interested. My first thoughts to this question are, we need to find a way to be able to set a, a bar or a level that is okay for everybody to achieve without actually lowering the bar, if that makes any sense. Hopefully I haven't confused everybody. So we wanna keep expectations high, but how do we present it on an achievable plate? Maybe that's a good way of saying it, so that parents feel that, hey, everybody can start at this ladder and achieve at the top of the ladder. So I think that's my share for Shannon when she watches the recording back. Um, who else has ideas? Patrick, what are your thoughts on that one? For me, a lot of times it's just trying to figure out how to, as we're teaching things, how we're doing different things throughout, it's how do we include the parents and community in that? And a lot of times it's, we're so focused on the students, which obviously is our top priority that we kind of leave off thinking about including kind of the other stakeholders that we have. And we definitely have not found a good way to do it yet, but I know at least on the instructional tech side, I built out a website this year on our district site that is all tutorials and different things that are geared towards not only parents and community members, but also students, but as a way to kind of reach out to them and help bridge the gap as we go virtual. Yeah, we're having a lot of times when we're teaching students how to do things, but we're leaving a big chunk of the people out. And that big chunk we're leaving out are the ones that are going to help the students the most when they're home the whole time. So I think a lot of times it's just trying to be conscious of all the different groups and include them as we're planning. We always plan with students in mind first and then kind of secondary to that, we need to think about the other people that are gonna be helping them the most, especially when we're virtual and we're only seeing them out of the day a very small fraction of the time. I love that. And Amari also was speaking about that in the chat, Patrick, about constantly communicating with parents and making them feel included also. Um, and Amara was saying like that her parents are, or families are struggling a lot with Google Classroom. So it's a lot of support from that. And I love the fact, Patrick, that you were saying that you're creating videos for your parents. I know there's been some different thoughts on that because obviously we have like the Google Junior Training Series with Patrick and I both participated in, but also a lot of the time it's a specific need that our families have. And so how are schools really personalizing that journey for their parent community. So um, respect for that, Patrick. I also do the same. Um, I'll sometimes share out videos from Google training series, but I sometimes will create one specifically for our domain that's needed. And so big shout out for that as well. Um, I also, as I shared earlier in the call, I'm offering for this first term a parent um, tech night. And so I know that as coaches, I know that in this group specifically, there's a lot of people that are trying to get away from being tech support for teachers. But I wanted to say in our endeavor to include parents, I have found this really successful. So I offer this parent like tech night workshop for parents and they can come and ask me any questions they want and sometimes they come and ask me questions oh well how can I access this on my iPad and sometimes they're like oh this lesson was really good but 
I'd love to see more of this. So it's really giving them a voice also, and you may be able to answer and support them, but they will have a space where they can feel valued as well. So having that um, synchronous space, which could be a parent hub, like Patrick and I have created for our schools. Um, it could be the Google Junior Training Series, which you're featuring in your newsletters, for example, for parents, but definitely making sure that you have a space where you're trying to include them. So thank you for those shout outs. Um, so yeah, if anybody else would like to add anything at the end of um, the session, then please let me know. I know that I'm way over time, so I'm going to wrap it up now. And thank you to those who stayed on. I hope that some of you found it useful, maybe sparked some new ideas that you can take away. Um, next week, we are going to be covering um, Chapter 10 on the 14th of October in the new time zone. So Shannon's not here anymore, but major shout out to her because she facilitates uh, the second session in the middle of each month now so that um, we can share that load and also make sure that we're including all educators who maybe can't join at this time. And so it will be in the, I didn't write it in the slide deck. Does anybody know off the top of your head? I'll have to check the calendar, I guess. Um, it's gonna be, I think it's 6.30 p.m., isn't it for you guys? Is it? Uh, is that right? Shannon's nodding her head. I'm not sure. Let me see. It depends on what time zone, I think. I thought it was like 6.30 Eastern, something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm going to check my calendar now. I think it's 6.30 something for sure. So let me go to the 14th. And... Okay, we didn't change it in the global calendar. We will do that, guys, but I'm pretty sure it's around 6.30. But stay tuned for the notices. We'll definitely add it to the EC Open um, Google Chat and change the calendar as well. But we do look forward to seeing you on the 14th, and we are going to be um, covering Chapter 10. So we're almost at the end of the book. So we're going to do Chapter 10. It's about 20 odd pages um, or so. And then the next three chapters are about 20 odd pages altogether. So we have about three more sessions we'll cover together. And Sharon, Shannon, not Sharon, although Sharon will be there, I'm sure. Shannon is going to cover um, chapter 10. So please um, stay tuned for that. And I will um, share that slide deck with you guys this weekend. Apologies, we just went into distance learning this week, as I shared earlier. And so it's been really, really crazy for me. But I We'll make sure that that new uh, Book City Chapter slide deck is shared out with you by Friday. So the end of this week, uh, which will be the start of my weekend. So thanks you all for uh, joining today. Uh, and we really appreciate everything you guys are doing to support your teachers, your educators at your school and your coaching programs, as well as your teachers, um, your parent community and your students. If you teach any classes like Shannon and I do, then big shout out to all of you uh, for leading by example. So thank you for your time today. I uh, really love seeing you guys. It's one of my favorite events bi-weekly. So thanks for joining and stay safe guys. Crazy times out there. Take care of yourselves. Be kind to yourself with your time and um, keep being awesome and inspiring educators. We'll see you guys next time, okay? You too, Patrick. Bye. I don't know if Becky.